On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there, who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home, glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. This is the word of God. Hey, thank you so much. Uh, thanks, Elliot, for that terrible introduction. That's okay, that's fine. He did fine. Hey, uh, my name is Daryl. I am a pastor down in Nolansville. My wife and I live uh, in Antioch. My wife Mackenzie is right over here, and she's super mad at me for doing that just now. So I'll sleep on the couch tonight. Y'all pray for me uh, for that. Uh, I uh, pastor a church down in Nolansville, which you'll never go to, uh, so it's fine. Uh, you actually will. You will go to Nolansville whenever your kids get old enough to like go to high school. That's when people from here move there. Uh, we call you guys our farm system because uh, we are always having meetings with folks from, they were like, yeah, I went to Midtown. Now we moved down here and we come here. So thanks for running your people off and sending them our way. Uh, we will be in Luke 5 this morning, as, uh, as we just read, continuing the series that uh, Matt and Elliot have walked through with you. Uh, I love Elliot. I love Matt Avery. We were seminary friends together. Uh, in preaching lab in seminary, Matt Avery, when I was preaching one time, actually took his shirt off while I was preaching. So remember that whenever you schedule a counseling appointment with him, <laughs> that that's the kind of person he is when nobody's looking. Uh, but we're going to be uh, Luke chapter 5. If you'll pray with me this morning, I would, I would greatly appreciate that. Uh, Father God, we, uh, we're undone by such a grace uh, that, we've, that we've sang about. Uh, we could even go home uh, right now because... Uh, of the wonderful worship you've allowed us to have thus far, uh, that you welcome sinners, uh, that you're a friend to them, uh, that sinners are all that there are, um, and so you love us. And so this morning, as uh, I open your word, I ask that you would, that you would be with the, the teaching of your word, uh, that you would meet us here as you have promised uh, in your scriptures, that we would find you on your Sabbath day in your house. And so would you be so kind uh, as to welcome us um, take away anything that is keeping us from running boldly to you. Uh, and it's in your son's name we do pray. Amen. I have done some pretty weird things to make friends. Uh, because when you get, like when you grow up, when you're an adult, adulting as the kids say, when you're doing that, uh, like making friends is really hard. 
uh, because you, you kind of have it, like when you're a kid, it's just packaged for you. Uh, so you have like your classmates, you have your teammates, uh, all the way from, from like elementary school to middle school to high school, then even to college. Uh, and then you get that like year after college and you're like, where are all the people to hang out with? I don't know where they are. Uh, and so when I left Virginia, uh, that's where I grew up, and moved to Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, which is where Dollywood is, and um, I moved there for three months thinking I was, I was going to do this summer discipleship program that Young Life has there, and I thought, I'll be here for three months, then I'll, I'll go back home, and I ended up staying for six years. And so uh, after the three months were up and all my friends left, I was thinking, what do I do? Uh, to, where do I meet friends? Why am I so awkward? What do I do with my hands? Like, where, where do I meet friends? And uh, I heard that you can do that at church. And so I was like, I'll just go to church. And I uh, went to church and met these two guys named Clayton and Jesse, who uh, they look like, they both look like Gimli from Lord of the Rings. Uh, they're just like real stout, bearded, just specimens of men. And, um, but they love to go camping. And I don't. And so they were like, hey, you want to go camping with us? And I was like, you should be thrown in prison for suggesting that. Because that's the worst thing you can do to someone is to take them camping, especially if I don't even know you. Of course, I'm not going to sleep in the woods with you. Um, but they were like, hey, we want, you, uh, we want to take you to this place in town that we think you'll really like. Um, and I was like, sure, just come over to my house. And so they came to my house, and I hopped in their truck, and we were driving uh, up this part of town. It's called Bluff Mountain. Um, it's behind the Walmart in Sevierville. Uh, and so you can go up Bluff Mountain. There are all these switchbacks. It seems like it takes forever uh, to get to the top. But when you're at the top, there's this rickety old fire tower that's standing there. And it's sort of silver, but it's mostly rusty. And at one point, it had wooden steps that went up it. And like every third one was missing. I think somebody did that on purpose. I was like, that, nature didn't do that. Um, and so I, it was a haul to get up there. So I'm, I'm trying to, you know, tearing hamstrings, popping ACLs, getting up to the top of this thing. And uh, I get to the top, and y'all, something happened to me. I don't know what it was. Uh, I don't know if it was like the ghost of hippies past that had been there, or if it was like a contact buzz from the weed that, that had certainly been smoked up there. Um, like at the bottom of this thing, there was this fire pit that was full of like needles and dirty diapers. And I'm like, where are the cops? Like, where are the cops at? Where are, who's doing this? And so uh, we get to the top, and I don't know what's going on, but I start crying. And this doesn't happen because I don't care about nature. And, uh, and I'm looking out there, what well, seems like a million miles. Like, I can see forever. And I'm just, I'm just undone. I, and I, I'm like, man, look how beautiful all this is. Like, this, this national park set aside, um, seemingly as if God is wasting it just for me to look at and I have these friends now, and that's, like, really fun. And, and God has just been really kind to me, and I just lost it. And, and what it took uh, for me to kind of see my friends and this town that I lived in, um, to fall in love with it was to see it from a different angle, kind of a different perspective. And when we look at the book of Luke and what Jesus does in all his interactions with people. This is what Matt and Elliot and the other pastors are wanting you to see. They're wanting you to take a look at Jesus from kind of a different angle, from kind of different vantage points. How is Jesus going to react uh, to these Pharisees? How's he going to treat uh, this woman who's just barged into this meeting? How's he going to treat uh, 
Zacchaeus, the wee little man? Like, how is he going to interact with all these folks? Because Jesus rarely acts in the way that we think he will. And so when we get to Luke 5, especially this passage, um, Jesus is here, and he's surrounded by saints and by sinners alike. And, and Jesus is here, really, uh, to pick a fight, uh, because there are all these Pharisees around. And so Jesus is here, really, to pick a fight with them, because Luke shows us in this passage that only Jesus can undo all that sin has done. Uh, when we look at all that sin has done in our own lives, in the lives of those around us, the lives of those we love, uh, in the world at large, only Jesus can undo those things. And because only Jesus can undo them, that means that we can trust Jesus with all of us, that we can trust him with our whole heart and with our whole life. So Luke is going to show us a couple things here. We're going to see the faith of the friends of this man, uh, the faith that they had to take him to Jesus, and then a fight with the Pharisees. And then we're going to ask, so what? Uh, what does all this mean? So a faith, a fight, and then a so what? So let's run to the Word of God this morning. If you have uh, your little handouts, your little Bibles, um, we'll be in chapter 5, verse 17, and we'll just be referencing it kind of throughout. But Luke is setting the stage here uh, by telling us, really, that Jesus has developed quite the reputation. Uh, he has been teaching for a while. He's done some miracles. He's done some healings. Uh, he's said some things that have been interesting. And so there's starting to be a crowd that gets around him. Um, anywhere he goes, uh, people are following him. He has his own disciples, right? He's got his 12 and then his 700 or whatever that are following him around, uh, wondering what he's going to do next. And so he's at someone's house. We don't know whose house. And I'm not even sure that it matters. He's probably mad because his roof gets torn off. Um, but we know that the house is packed out. You can't move. Uh, not unlike this room. Like, there's nowhere really to go. The aisles are tiny. Uh, you can't get in or out. And there are Pharisees who have shown up from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. So they've gathered, they've circled the wagons. And uh, they've had their little convention here where Jesus is going to be speaking. And so... Uh, Luke is telling us uh, about the Pharisees. You may know about them. Um, essentially, they're just the gatekeepers of the truth. Uh, they knew Scripture in and out. These dudes nerded out on this stuff. Uh, they listened to podcasts willingly on this kind of stuff. They, uh, they knew the Bible in and out. They knew Scripture back and forth. They knew God's law better than anyone. And they actually lived it. Uh, they even made up extra rules to make sure they didn't break it. Um, the Pharisees lived what they taught and what they believed. It's just that they believed the wrong thing. Um, Pharisees make great neighbors uh, because they will like, make sure their branches don't get on your side of the yard. Uh, they'll bring their trash cans in on time. Uh, you're going to want your kids to be Pharisees because Pharisees listen and your kids don't. Um, like, there's something about Pharisees. There's something about uh, the attraction of legalism um, that shouldn't be that surprising to us. Uh, so Jesus is in a room full of these guys, and while he's teaching, debris starts falling from the ceiling. Um, and it, they didn't, like the Pharisees just didn't believe a lick in what Jesus is saying. But as this debris is falling from the sky, the house is so full that there were folks who were tearing off the roof tiles. Um, now, Luke was a doctor. He wasn't a carpenter, so they weren't tearing off tiles like, don't think tiles like you would see in Phoenix or Scottsdale or like in your kitchen on your backsplash. Uh, think like, it's just like a bunch of mud and hay, and these dudes are just tearing it off. 
And so it's all falling through, and uh, there, the sky, the sunlight breaks through, and there's a paralyzed man being lowered on a mat while Jesus is talking, and he's unfazed. Like, if that happened right now, my truck is right here, y'all. I'm in it, and I'm gone back to Nolensville where it's safe. Um, if that happened right now, it would be so weird. But Jesus is kind of unfazed, and, uh, and his friends are lowering him on this mat. And the desperation that these guys had to just get this guy in front of Jesus. If we can just get him in front of Jesus, we've heard the stories. Jesus can heal him. He can make him better. Um, these guys are so desperate and believing so intently on what Jesus said, they said that we'll tear the roof off to get this guy in front of him. Which begs the question, have you longed for Jesus in this way? Have you come to the end of yourself where you've had to long for Jesus in such a way that you've had to look at your friends and say, I can't get there myself. I need you to take me. I'm not believing this. Like, I need you to take me to Jesus. That's what small groups are for, right? We have friends in there who are going to carry us to the feet of Jesus, to believe so intently in what he has done that we can apprehend his mercy and seize it for ourselves and not let go until Jesus does something. And Jesus looks on these men, and he sees their faith. And when you read this, kind of the first time I read it, I was thinking, man, this is going to be awesome. Like the hopes and fears of all the years that we sing about at Christmas are standing right in front of this guy. Uh, Jesus is the one whom Isaiah speaks of that the, that the blind will see and the deaf will hear and the dead will live again and the lame will leap and the dumb will speak. Like this is him. He's right in front of him. This man's going to get his legs fixed and he's standing there and he's right in front of Jesus and Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. And I remember reading it and thinking, Seriously? Like, that's it? Uh, I mean, I guess it's fine, but like his legs don't work, Jesus. Uh, this was your chance. You really messed it up. Uh, this was your chance to really fix his legs. Uh, his mat like smells like urine. Jesus, fix this guy. Like, fix him. And Jesus looks at him and says, your sins are forgiven. This is like opening socks at Christmas. Like, sure, you need them, but is this really like that? The, is this the venue that we should be doing that? Um, but Jesus doesn't act the way we act, right? Uh, Jesus rarely acts the way in which we think he should. Uh, we act, he rarely acts how we think he will. And what he does here is he, he obviously knows this man's legs are broken. He knows he's going to heal him. But he's coming after people's hearts. Uh, he's going after the heart of the man. He's going after the heart of his friends. He's going after the heart of the Pharisees, of all the people watching. Jesus is doing gospel surgery here. He's not ignoring uh, this man's legs. He's going after their heart because he's here, remember, to pick a fight. Uh, he's here because there are Pharisees who are grumbling now. Jesus just said, your sins are forgiven, and the Pharisees cannot handle that. Uh, which is going to bring us to our second point, the fight with the Pharisees. Jesus has just, he's just done the unthinkable here. Uh, this is a huge no-no because as the Pharisees are sitting there and they're grumbling about Jesus making this claim that he can forgive this man's sins, they get mad. 
who are you, Jesus, you hillbilly? You're coming in here and just forgiving sins all willy-nilly? Like, you can't do that. Only God can do that. You're like the bastard son of a carpenter, and you can't even build your own house. Like, you're homeless, and you're a carpenter. You have wood all the time, and you can't even build your own house. Who are you to come in and say that this man's sins are forgiven? And Jesus, uh, Scripture tells us, uh, interprets their thoughts. He knows what they're thinking, uh, and he frustrates them. And it's what drives us nuts about Jesus is because he will frustrate our plans to no end. And he looks at these men as they're thinking these things, and he says, what's easier? What's easier, forgiving his sins or telling him to walk? And the Pharisees thought they had him because you can't actually prove that he can forgive this guy's sins. Right, that's just subjective. It's like when I told my friends in fifth grade that I had a girlfriend in Canada. Like, you can't prove me wrong if the internet doesn't exist. You can't do it. Do something. Are you going to go there? No? See, Jesus, like, whenever he says that, the Pharisees are like, you can't prove it. And so Jesus looks at him and says, but to prove that I can do this, rise up and walk. Get up, get your mat, and get out of here. And that's how he proves it that he has the authority to forgive sins because he can also just tell this guy to get up. Telling this guy to get up was nothing for Jesus, right? He spoke the world into being. Uh, He can do that with just speaking. And what Jesus is showing them, what Jesus wants us to see, is that this man's legs weren't his biggest problem. He was paralyzed, sure, but he was a sinner. And that's what really needs healing. Um, it's what we run from, right? We know, Jesus, I'm a a type six. Like, I don't like being in situations where I'm unsafe. Like, that's not your biggest problem, right? Biggest problem is that you're a sinner. I work with with, uh, high schoolers, and I'm like, hey, what can I pray? How can I pray for you? They're like, oh, I have a big Spanish test. I'm like, you wish your Spanish test was your biggest problem. Like, (laughs) your parents hate you. What are you talking about? See, we get, to, we get to this place with Jesus where we want him to fix everything but, what's really, but what is really wrong. And Jesus doesn't do that. Uh, he's like going to the dentist. Uh, they don't just like wiggle the tooth that's loose, right? They start yanking on everything else. Uh, Jesus gets in our business. And he says the first thing, your, your chief need is to have your sins forgiven because he understands that what lies within us is far more dangerous than what lies outside of us, especially for the Pharisees. Because the Pharisees did everything right. Um, The Pharisees, their legs worked just fine, and you can have perfect health and still go to hell. You can know Scripture back and forth and still go to hell. Because unless your faith is placed in Jesus, like, we're all in trouble. Uh, We can't dig ourselves out of the hole. You can know everything about God. You can serve at every soup kitchen. You can go to every small group. You can slap a Trump sticker on your car. You can slap a Bernie sticker on your car. You can put a sticker on your Nalgene. It doesn't matter because Jesus is saying unless your sins are forgiven you, unless you have looked at Jesus and found the end of yourself, unless you have seen him as more beautiful and more believable than everything that wars for your heart's affections, You're as lost as last year's Easter eggs, and we are without hope. 
the Pharisees were far more concerned with looking right than doing what was right. They were chasing after perfection. They weren't chasing after Jesus. Jesus haunted them uh, because following that backwater kid from Galilee meant that he might, uh, he might thwart their plans. This is what drives us nuts about Jesus. Giving ourselves fully over to Jesus means that we invite him into all of the messiness of our heart, and he's going to start turning doorknobs that we don't want him to turn, and he's going to start looking in cabinets that we don't want him to see. Uh, Jesus is going to come in, and he says, I, I, I take all of it. Uh, he's the Lord of our hearts, and following him for the Pharisees meant they had to give up this idea that they knew everything. Uh, Y'all, welcome to Nashville, right? This is the defining marker of this town that we work to gain things that we don't need to impress people that we don't even like. That we're here working so hard and we're missing Jesus in the midst of it. Because Jesus doesn't come in and play second fiddle to anything else in our lives. Uh, N.T. Wright said it this way. He says, how can you live with this terrifying thought that the hurricane has become human? that fire has become flesh, that life itself became life and walked in our midst. Christianity either means that or it means nothing. It's either the most devastating disclosure of the deepest reality of the world or it's play acting. Most of us, unable to cope with saying either of those things, condemn ourselves to live in the shallow world in between. The Pharisees had condemned themselves to living in the shallow world in between heaven and hell because they did not want to turn their entire lives over to Jesus. They didn't like that he said the things that he said. They didn't like that it takes forgiveness of sins and that belief and faith in Christ alone is what gets us there. Um, he had picked a fight with the Pharisees, Jesus had. But Luke tells us that there are other folks in the room. Uh, who were fascinated at what had just happened. Which is going to bring us to our last point, kind of a point of application. What do we do with all this? Uh, so what, Daryl? You drove up here to yell at us for 15 minutes. Uh, what, is, what, is, what? what do you want me to do? What do we do with such a passage? If we look at verse 26, it says this. When I find it. An amazement seized them all. And they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. What you do with this passage is that you look to Jesus and become filled with awe. He's scary, absolutely. It's absolutely scary to do this. But he loves us. He has the authority to forgive sins. That means he has the authority to come into our lives and give us the grace that we need. And much like the lame man in this passage, when you look to Jesus and come and just fall at his feet and say, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Much like the lame man in this passage, you get to walk and run and skip in your new freedom given to you by Jesus. By seeing that sin is your biggest problem in your world. By seeing that the thing that is most wrong with your world, the thing most wrong with your house, what's most wrong with your friend groups, what's most wrong in your uh, marriages, and what's wrong in your parenting is you. When we see that and discover that 
that is where we are and only Jesus can save us. We can now be truly alive by leaning on Jesus for life and for forgiveness. Do you realize that this morning, that Jesus was the only truly alive human to ever walk the earth? He didn't fear talking about predestination. He didn't fear talking about election. He didn't fear talking about politics. He didn't fear talking about how the poor should be treated. His freedom was so shocking if you read the Gospels. He was so free from the slavery of people's opinions that he hung out with hookers and drunks and didn't care what people thought. He was so free from slavery to money that he was poor. He was so free from the slavery of success that we don't even know what the first 30 years of his life was like. He was just a carpenter. Like he just went to work and then he went home. We don't know much about how, how that went. He's just so alive and so free that when he's falsely accused by Pontius Pilate in the crowd, he just stands there. He just stands there and he takes it. And without an ounce of begrudging tone, he walks to a cross and he hangs there and he dies. He just hangs there and he dies. He could simply speak and tell this man to walk again. He could speak and bring legions of angels to come down and wipe everybody out. But forgiving sins cost him his life. He went willingly like a lamb led to the slaughter that you might know that same freedom. That you might know the freedom that is, is purchased for you in Jesus, forsaken by his Father, so that you'll never have to know what that feels like. Forsaken by the God of the universe, so that we never have to know what that feels like. Only Jesus can undo all that sin has done. Instead, we're invited to know the unmitigated, undistilled, 200-proof pleasure of God this morning that's available to us because there's not an ounce of wrath left in God's cup for those who are connected to Christ for those who have placed their hope in him for those who have re received and rested in him alone for salvation as he's offered up in the gospels for those who have said take my life Jesus for those who stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me a sinner condemned unclean for those who find themselves connected to Jesus there's not an ounce of wrath left in his cup for you this morning it's not there it's never going to hit your head because it fell on Jesus at the cross um, and what this means is that we can get over ourselves because we're not that interesting and we're not that important. And we're not so bad that we're beyond the reach of God's grace. And we're not so good that we're beyond the need for God's grace. We can get off the treadmill. Or never get on it in the first place because they're dumb. We can get off the treadmill. We can stop. We can stop with the rat race. We can stop chasing the carrot. Which is a weird phrase anyway. Who chases carrots? Uh, rabbits do, but they deserve to die. Jesus comes in in Revelation 3.20 and he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Will faith turn the doorknob? 
Will the Holy Spirit sneak in through the basement and come in and twist that doorknob and you open it and find Jesus there who says, come in and eat with me. Let's have a meal together. Let's take that place of your deepest shame and set up a picnic and we'll talk about it. And we'll open a bottle of bourbon. I say wine in Nolensville because they love it there. We're in, we're in the cool part of town. Uh, so I'll say bourbon here. Uh, we'll open that and we'll talk about it. Jesus comes in to the moments of our shame and says, I will not leave you alone here, but we're going to walk through it. It's going to be hard, but we're going to do it. Come, you weary, heavy laden, bruised and broken by the fall. If you tarry till you're better, you will never come at all, we just sang. Jesus is standing ready to save us. He's there for you this morning, ready to save you. What will you do with such a love? Let's pray together. Our great and gracious Heavenly Father, we are, we're seriously undone by this. Uh, we're undone by this passage, that Jesus behaved in the way that he behaved, uh, that he uh, forgave a man's sins. It's so easy to overlook, uh, to become complacent with this idea uh, that, that you are the one who authored this plan of salvation for your son uh, to come and accomplish for us. And so, Father God, uh, restore to us the joy of our salvation, as your psalmist wrote. Uh, bring us to you. May we see your Son who intercedes on our behalf, who even now in heaven is sitting at your right hand and saying, Lee is mine, Randy is mine, Elliot's mine, Joel is mine. That he is interceding on our behalf and saying for us, salvation is available to you but only through my son. And may we see him as the one who is truly the lover of our souls. And as we continue in worship, would you be so kind, Father God, uh, to send your spirit uh, to move us closer to you. And it's in your son's name we do pray. Amen.